Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of the third season of the Red Voices podcast. Here's hoping you're enjoying a wonderful summer whilst Manchester United are swanning up about in Los Angeles, hanging out with pretty women and assorted Game of Thrones cast members. My name's Ewan Lennitz, and if you're joining us for the first time or rejoining us for the umpteenth time, thank you for being with us. No football to review as of yet, but plenty of transfer business and news to discuss ahead of the new season next month, and I'm delighted to be doing so alongside the venerable Richard Can. Rich, how's tricks? I'm all right. How are you, Ewan Lennitz? I'm not too bad, thank you very much, my friend. I, I've had a very productive day, enjoying a slightly above-average summer. It, it's all it's all coming up you at the moment, so won't last. But there we go. What about your summer, Richard? How have you been getting on? The summer's the same as the rest of the time, isn't it? Just warmer until the kids go come off school holidays, and then it all goes a bit insane. Is that literally all you've got for me in terms of small talk, Richard? Come on. That, I, I I don't know what to say. It's just summer is the same as the rest of the time of the year, isn't it? Would you much rather have a very very long chat about transfers? I feel that's more interesting than my life at the moment, yes. <laughs> All right, well, we've got a, a fair big list to get through, a, a copy of which both you and I have. And this list is as many as I can remember because United have been linked with so many players this summer as normal, so we've missed out on a few, but we'll do our best. We have got, let's see, Cristiano Ronaldo, Romelu Lukaku, Alvaro Morata, Eric Dyer, Andreas Pereira, Adanian Azai, Zlatan Emirovic, Wayne Rooney and Victor Lindelof to discuss. <sighs> so... Uh, would you like me to pick one out for you, or do you want do you want to pick one for me? You you hit me with the first, you throw me a curve, throw me a curveball. Okay, I'll tell you what. You can start us off with chat about Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, his business this summer. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to say about that. It was clearly just from the very beginning one of his little hissy fits, wasn't it, to get either more money or more respect or more whatever his little tiny, delicate, sensitive heart required at that moment from Real Madrid. I doubt very much that United or any other club took it very seriously at all, to be honest. And it's no surprise that we're now seeing stories that he's going to stay. Great, great footballer, greatest United footballer I've ever seen, but a bit of a wet blanket, really, isn't he? A bit of a sensitive soul who needs who needs pandering to at all times. Yeah, well, I think the good thing about it is that stories were coming from journalists who had been brief in United, saying they were certainly interested if it was genuine, but they were being very reserved considering how badly burned we have been by this exact scenario several times over, over the course of the last, gosh, what is it, eight years since he left? You know, I mean, I, I think, I reckon stories linking Ronaldo to United won't properly die off until he retires. And, you know, even then, there'd be a bit of scepticism about them dying off entirely, purely because it's such an easy story to write. But essentially this season as well, it just seemed pointless. You know, he was chucking his toys out of the pram based on this uh, tax evasion that he's been accused of. And it, it just seemed such a very easy link to make with United because obviously we need goals and there's that whole romantic element about Ronaldo turning, returning home. And... Yeah, it's very easy copy. It brings in the clicks and it sells newspapers. So why not go for it? I mean, I don't necessarily disagree that United might actually want to be in for him at some stage again. I'm pretty sure that Edward would absolutely love him back at the club. But, you know, as you said, storm in a teacup. And to be honest, I'm somewhat glad we've avoided that circus. I think I think there's a bit more cynicism about it than that. I don't think it's just the press uh, making an easy leap. From what was written, particularly the day or two after the story broke, his people or Jesse Fugue, whoever, had quite clearly briefed widely that he wanted to leave Real and that if he came to England, you know, his preference would be to come to United. I don't think it was just an easy an easy leap. There was clearly an element of, of, of briefing and of using United to a degree there, which I thought was a bit 
I, I wasn't I wasn't particularly impressed by that. I mean, obviously, it didn't really have any consequence given that United clearly didn't take it too seriously. But but I just thought that just niggled with me a bit that that he or his people were clearly using United for a, you know an ego stroke. Fair enough. Right, who have you got for me then? Go on. Then why don't we start with Victor Lindelof then? Our first and most and most competent signing of the summer. Uh, ooh, it's a bit harsh on the card. Well, that's perhaps the wrong word. No, I, I didn't mean like that. I mean, I mean the, our smoothest signing of the year, perhaps. <laughs> okay, that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, the first of at least two smoke screens so far this summer. You know, everyone was being brief, seemingly that Michael Keane was the player that was going to return to United this summer. You know, continuing the trend of us spending bucket loads of money on players who were once at United that we let go for basically nothing. Um, and then Victor Lindelof pops up back from Benfica. You know, that seemed to be done relatively smoothly without too much hassle. We've actually, for, I think, the first time, actually bought a player from Benfica now as of this summer, Rich, which, considering how frequently we are linked with them, that is remarkable. It is. I think it's, I think it's, I was going to say, it's, I think it's the first time we've actually read a press story in, in Portugal about United that's turned out to be true. Exactly. It, it's a strange one, but still quite nice. I mean, you know, I, I can't say I have enough experience out of, of him as a player to be able to judge just how quickly he'll be able to adapt to the Premier League. I think the thinking is based on the price tag and Mourinho's, you know, insistence on getting him because there was a lot of talk about uh, Lindelof arriving in the winter transfer window when he was still harbouring doubts over several of uh, his current centre-backs, none of whom have left the club yet. Uh, it makes complete sense that he's then sort of come back in for him during the summer after having seen Smalling and Jones struggle in the second half of the season. Some of the narratives you've been hearing about Victor Lindelof are absolutely ridiculous. You know, Ray Wilkins going full on Brexit and sort of saying, what's he won? Well, quite a lot. <laughs> he's done yeah. very, very well in Portugal. You know, he's off the back of a double winning season at Benfica, I believe. Being the first choice centre-back, scored an absolutely cracking free kick. And I have seen that. Ray Wilkins' argument was, and I quote, Michael Keane has done it. Um, Victor Lindelof hasn't done it, which begs you to question what it is, given that Michael Keane's not won anything in his career and Lindelof has, and that Lindelof's played about five times as many international games as, as Keane has. But there you Indeed. go. Indeed. I mean, it's very clear that Lindelof is a far more uh, experienced player and has done a lot more in his career than Keane has at this stage. And it'd be interesting to see how he slots in. You know, my sort of, my gut feeling at the minute is that it's up to Lindelof to kind of prove that he is up to the task of being the partner for Bailly, right? I guess the, the, the thing with Lindelof is that, you know, it's just a case of figuring out how quickly he can get into the side and be up to scratch because Mourinho doesn't necessarily suffer people who can't get into the groove of what he wants and his plans slightly, really, does he? So, yeah, it's it's a going to be a big change for Lindelof, but, you know, all intents and purposes show he's up for it. So, again, we'll see how that one goes. Right, Richard, uh, here's a good one for you. Let's chuck you Ivan Perisic, Inter Milan's Ivan Perisic. Considering yeah. to just in the last 24 hours, United have been briefing that they are closer, inching their way towards a deal for a transfer mm. for the release clause or the price that Inter have set we've known for about, what, a month? Yeah. What's going on here, do you think? This one's, what, this one's a bit of a grower, isn't it, so to speak? It must have been three or four months ago when Mourinho was pictured in, in Zagreb, I think it was, at a time when Croatia were playing. Um, an international game and there was a lot of speculation I think some sort of words came out of the Croatian press that he was he was talking about maybe looking to get Perisic and I think everyone was a bit sceptical including myself because you know he's 28 I think I think he's a he's a very good player without obviously being elite and the amount of money that it would take to get him you'd think there would be other options but 
the idea is kind of growing on me. It looks like United have taken the approach this summer towards him that they were going to try and exploit Inter's financial, not woes, because they're suddenly quite wealthy, but they need to, to meet FFP. And so they kind of play a game of stare him out until the end of June. And Inter managed to sell some other players and didn't need to sell Perisic for, for a sort of knockdown price. And so now they've, they've essentially known their price and it's up to us to meet it. And it doesn't look like they're willing to compromise on that at all. Um, I'm pretty sure that United wouldn't want to pay, I think what they're asking is about £49 million for him. But having said that, in the current market, I, I don't even know what players are worth anymore. We've got Swansea quoting £50 million for Gilfie Sigurdsson. And, <laughs> you know, half-decent players are going for 30, 35 million quid. So perhaps that's a, that's a good deal for him. I mean, he's a good player. I, I, I'm still slightly underwhelmed by it, but I get the, I get the logic. He's a, he's a very good dribbler. He's a creative player he can take players on and we, we don't have a natural winger at the moment you know we've, we've bought Lukaku who we'll obviously come to later who really is a the kind of epitome of a big burly player you need to get crosses into and play the ball in front of we don't have anybody who's natural at that so in that context Perisic perhaps makes some sense and as people have said even though it grinds with me a bit you know Mourinho likes his wide men to be hard work and durable and, and tall as well as you know his team buying a team of giants you know in that context Perisic makes sense and I think ultimately sometime between now and next week United will just stump up what Inter wanted and he'll probably go and say I'd like to leave and they'll, they'll let him go but I think I think it, it could be a good signing yeah I'd agree with that I mean I've seen a lot of people turning their noses up at the suggestion and I think they're also bulking at the price I think well we've seen a lot that a lot this summer though haven't we you know the, the fees that United and clubs in the Premier League are quoting uh, or being quoted for players is just you know it seems to have stepped up a significant notch in the last 12 months doesn't it and I guess obviously because every club is now so flush with cash they don't necessarily need to which is why as you mentioned there Swansea are able to quote 50 million pounds for Everton because they don't need to sell him to meet any sort of financial requirement there's no need to sell players a lot and especially when it comes to a club like United because there's so much hype and because we're you know globally recognized as the richest club in the game of course, the you know they're going to chuck a couple of million pounds on the price tag. It makes complete sense. If a team comes in for a player that you don't want to sell, you jack up the price and see who blinks first. As far as Perisic goes, again, I I think one thing that I I kind of get where you're coming from in the sense that you haven't necessarily been wowed by it, but in terms of what Mourinho wants, if he's identified Perisic as a player that can deliver what he's after, and especially considering that in terms of the the level of football that United are potentially going to be playing at over the course of the entire season because we'll be playing Champions League, hopefully getting into the latter stages and the knockouts, I think having a player like Perisic could be incredibly useful because you're talking about so many times over last season we were talking about Mourinho's reluctance to rotate for his big players. And I think that a player like Perisic could really help improve the overall quality of the squad for these situations where you can rotate him and the likes of you know Mkhitaryan, Martial, Lingard, etc., and you wouldn't necessarily miss too much of a beat. So I could, I think it could be really, really useful on that, on that sort of, uh, from that sort of perspective. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Right. Okay. Excellent. Right, Richard, you're up. Would you like to speak about Wayne Rooney? Oh, I'd love to speak about Wayne Rooney. So Wayne Rooney is now no longer a Manchester United player. He has been at United the length of the life of a teenager, Richard, a teenager, thirteen years and. It's it's over. It, it, it's an odd feeling. It, it's 
not necessarily bittersweet and there are there's a level of mixed emotions but to be honest it just kind of feels a little bit blank not in the sense that I harbor the guy any real ill will but it's just such a contrast to be thinking about the record goal scorer for our club someone who's been with us for 13 years been so intrinsic to our success and you know the club captain to sort of wave him off with more of a you know a slap on the back and a handshake as opposed to a really meaningful loving goodbye you know obviously the players are going to have a little bit more attached to him because they see him on a daily basis and there's been some very nice uh, you know tributes paid on social media by our current squad and those are always nice to see because he's clearly you know a well-liked member of the team and he's helped out a lot of his uh, you know his colleagues over the time over his time at United and that's really great to see from my perspective I think he's done an incredible job to reach the level he was at. But I think in terms of his career as a whole and his career at United as a whole, it's this move is several years in the making. You know, that contract at you know at that he signed when David Moyes was at the club. At the time, I felt like it was essentially going to be an albatross around the club's necks. And I know a lot of people were feeling the same at the time. And that's what it proved to be. I don't take any pleasure in in that eventuality whatsoever. But at the same time, I think one of the great things about looking at Rooney's career is that if you just go back through for, let's say, the first seven or eight years and you see how much he contributed and you see what he brought to the club and the few absolutely excellent seasons he had how intrinsic he was there is that sense of unfulfilled potential to a certain extent in that he didn't get to the level but then you sort of contrast that with what he actually achieved you know what five premier league titles champions league europa league club world cup fa cup oh, gosh how many was it uh three league cups it's a great haul you know he's done some very very special things at manchester united and it does feel odd that we can't really send him away to Everton. You know, his boyer club with a bit more love and affection. But I guess that's just how he's sort of divided opinion and effect, you know, and feeling for him over the last few years in particular when it has been clear that he's just not up to the standard that United require. And I think one of the reasons why we end up so frustrated with him is that the club gave him such an elevated status at the club in terms of playing time and having to fit him into the team that just wasn't warranted. And that's not on him. I think that's how the club have managed him. And I think that that kind of clouds things to a certain extent. So very, it, basically what I'm trying to get at is it's a, a big mixture of feelings. It's a very, he's a very divisive figure in, you know, to United fans. And I think as such, the perception of how this transfer has been perceived is thus very mixed, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's, it's perhaps a, a positive thing that that in in leaving he actually helped us towards something which is is, is more positive in in terms of the Lukaku transfer. But I think I think mm. you're right. Rooney's career is can essentially be split into two. You could you could take from sort of eighteen to where are we to about twenty seven, and I would say you know he 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 was one of the you know you have to say he's one of the best players United have ever had. Certainly one of the most important, one of the most significant, obviously. He's the top scorer, but I mean, he's he's contributed to so many titles, so so many great goals, so many moments. Certainly in my life, that you know, some of the finest, you know, greatest moments of my life. But then, as you say, the contract, and I have a bit of sympathy for the club in that. Thinking back to the time, United was struggling, or, or the perception was that United would struggle after Ferguson left, and we know the squad wasn't 
as strong as it should have been and a lot of the key players were aging and in terms of not just in terms of on the pitch but in in terms of the sort of commercial aspect of the club and, and the club needing an icon needing a sort of world figure that that would continue to make us popular i mean it's not a very popular view but but that i can understand why we did what we did at the time i don't think anybody could have anticipated just how quickly he'd go downhill mm. and as you say that i think the, the first four or five months after he signed that contract he actually was probably united's best player and playing very well indeed and then his form the second half of the moist season just dropped off and really it's just been a decline a slow decline from, from since then and obviously as you say it's been very frustrating to watch as fans because the decline has been so steep that we were essentially passing a player on to Everton who I don't think is better than an arse end of the Premier League footballer now. Whether that be in terms of ability or he just doesn't have the physical stamina and strength to, to be competitive anymore. Um, and you still have this, there's still moments because a class player will always occasionally do some wonderful things. But it wasn't just, it's mm. not just his ability, it's that he's just been so far off the pace physically. You know, it baffles me as to why Everton have taken the risk that they have, because I, I presume he's got some sort of agreement that he'll play a reasonable amount of games. He was certainly talking about that in the interviews after he signed. Oh yeah, it was, it was hyped up essentially as him not coming back for, you know, a day at the beach. He he doesn't view moving back to Everton as a retirement. No, home. I mean, I just wonder if how much Koeman watched him last season or you know, Everton fans may be getting excited about. I just don't. I don't see what he what he offers to the to the first team at Everton, or with the ambition they've got this season. Mm. But you know, back to United, it's it's a bittersweet thing, isn't it? I was more sentimental than I thought it would be when I first saw him in in an Everton shirt, and it certainly made me think about the good times. But as you say, it was. I think in the end, it was a blessed relief, really, wasn't it? I'm sure the club felt that not having to pay his. Three hundred thousand pound wages a week, or whatever it was, um, you know. Just in terms mm. of the team, you always have that story there. You have that presence there. You know, the story is so often about Rooney, and Mourinho did so well last season to to phase him out in a in a respectful in a respectful way. You know, I think it's to his. You know, we we should commend him for for making it so that Rooney could leave this summer in such an amicable, kind of friendly and mutually agreeable way. So once once a great, but but really glad he's gone now. Yeah, I mean, I think the best way of looking at what I hope going forward over the next several years, and you know, for the rest of the time that you know I'm alive and supporting United, is that we think less about the post Ferguson years and think about those Ferguson years more when we think about Rooney, because you think about moments, you know, defining moments for United when Rooney was playing in the Sir Alex Ferguson. And you've got, you know, there's tons of them. There's the goal at home to AC Milan, you know, first time shot in the, just slid past Dida into the corner. There's that hat-trick at Upton Park when just that, oh, that divisive year where he essentially angled for a move away to City and got a nice big old paycheck and dragged us, you know, in that game to a couple of wins away from the title, a couple of points away from the title. You know, so many big performances and, you know, leading the line after Ronaldo left, doing such a great job in that first season. And that's what I want to think about more. I hope that eventually, whilst we all know, because we've seen, as you mentioned, such a sharp decline in his abilities since Ferguson left. And, you know, obviously Ferguson felt that was coming essentially with his treatment of the player towards the end of his time at United. 
that's what I want to think a bit more about and a bit less about what we ended up with because when Rooney was on it, he was absolutely fantastic and we were really, really lucky to have him. And it would be nicer for him because he has contributed so much to the club that we remember him in that fashion. But in terms of what he provided over the last four years, it's not essentially to say the last four years have been absolutely awful. You know, you think back to that great goal against Stoke to, you know, finally take over Swabby Charlton's record last season. The season before that in the FA Cup final, I thought he played very, very well. You know, setting up Matters equaliser was a huge moment for us. A burst and reminder of what he can do, you know, just running with the ball, providing a spark. And I, I felt like that was just a travelling back in time, you know, rolling back the years in a beautiful moment. And, you know, he will be remembered as someone who has been a great servant to the club despite you know all the stories about transfers and wanting away essentially and you know there's no point delving into those again now but but yeah I think it's positive now that we can draw a line under it thank him for his efforts at the club because they've been many you know there's no getting around that and now really start looking to a future without him because I think that's something that I know I've wanted United to do for some time, not because I don't appreciate what he's done, but because of what he currently offers. Right, there we go. I think that's enough Rooney chat on there. Let's let's let, 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 let's stop drowning in uh, in nostalgia, sorry, Rich. Yeah. Let's talk about the player that we got from Everton in the, something of a marvellous part exchange, Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, I, you know, in the, I've been as big a critic as, of United as, as any, but I think he, he did business very well last summer. And... There was a, it had been reported, I think, and mentioned that United were interested in Lukaku towards the start of the summer, but the but it qualified with the idea that he wanted to go to Chelsea. And I think contrary to some of the lines we've had since, I suspect he did actually want to go to Chelsea. I, I think there were, probably was that promise, because quite clearly Chelsea wouldn't be as insanely pissed off as they are if they hadn't been absolutely certain that he wanted to go there and they wouldn't have been as intransigent as well you know if you were if, if you have a player who you think will wait for you then there's no rush to to move for him and they were clearly trying to get Costa out the wind out the window out the door whatever before signing Lukaku but for whatever reason that you know lots of Chelsea fans were trying to and, and certainly the media were trying to suggest that um that Mino Raiola had Forced this 24 year old grown man who can speak six languages and has a mind of his own that he should, he can't go to Chelsea, he must go to United because we only want 12 million pounds. You know, I suspect it just had more to do with the fact that Chelsea were messing about, that Lukaku was on holiday with Pogba. Della talked a lot, and Pogba clearly, from his Instagram posts, feels that he played a part in persuading Lukaku to join us. Yeah, good old Agent P. Exactly, and I'm sure, I'm sure Rayola did counsel him that Chelsea were just prattling about and not not committing and this was running too long and United mm. United had a very strong interest and would get it done quickly so I mean mm. you know Pogba and Lukaku both live in Manchester they both live very close to each other I think United saw a chance and the Rooney uh, interest from Everton gave some particular leverage on that and went in on, on the quiet and to a degree did the deal I wasn't super keen on on the uh, the briefing that we were going to do the deal before we'd done the deal, mm-hmm. that that felt a bit a bit a bit risky. But um, perhaps United had assurances that what was happening was happening, and ultimately got the player. And it you know it looks like it's going to be a very significant fee. But but I think you've seen from from Chelsea last season, you saw from from Tottenham with Harry Kane, 
the value of having a prolific striker, a, a really dominant striker. And we had we had Slatan, but but even as you know, anyone who's watched our games last season would know that as many as he scored, he missed twice as many. He also slowed the game down so much, and we became very one-dimensional. And so we needed a striker who's a bit more dynamic, a bit more mobile, with more pace, um, and someone who can offer us, you know, offer us different different routes to goal, and and who's prolific. And you know, one of the problems we had last season was scoring and beating the, the sort of lesser teams. And Lukaku has been has been put forward as criticism that he's a kind of, he's a kind of flat track bully. Well, well, we need one of those. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, people have sort of criticised him for not scoring enough goals against the top six. He scored three, which I think is more than any other league striker in terms of you know playing games against the top six. You know, I think he got, I think Zlatan only got one in total. So yeah. I will absolutely take that record above all of the strikers in the top six clubs for sure. He does have deficiencies to his game, but then who, which of the, the, the striker options we had don't? Um, you know, Murata has won a lot, but has never been really tested as a first choice starter that's relied upon to get goals and you know, Belotti was put forward but he, you know he's a shot in the dark he's he's had a brilliant season at Torino and scored a lot of goals no experience the Premier League don't know whether he can repeat it again it would have been a huge risk at the price so in many ways in pra- practical ways Lukaku made sense it just appeared that we it couldn't be done but with credit to the club they they came in and did the deal relatively quickly and efficiently and we've got a player who we didn't expect to have who I think will be be a really good asset to us. I mean it's quite funny that Duncan Castles has has in the past criticised Luca quite a lot and suggested the, I think there was a tweet Hold on a minute Rich. Are you suggesting are you suggesting at this point, at this exact moment in time, mm. that Duncan Castles has reneged on something that he says in terms of criticism for a player or a club? He, uh, he hasn't quite yet, but I, su- I suspect he will. You know, it's quite interesting. He, uh, there's, a, there's a tweet someone pulled up the day where he basically says, why on earth would United want Newcastle? Which, which abused me. But um, yeah, so, <laughs> oh, so a little, little humorous twist to this to this story. But um, but yeah, but I think replacing Zlatan was one of the most, well, was the most important bit of business we could have done this summer. And we go from having missed out on Griezmann and, and the potential for that to have thrown out transfer plans into disarray to a point where we've got two in for the start of pre-season training and I'd say that we're probably in in terms of what we need and what we've already got in better shape than any of the other top six clubs in terms of the way the transfer window's shaping up. Yeah, yeah, I concur. I think it's it's worked out really well so far. I think there's also the aspect of the the way you mentioned earlier of Almarata and how he comes into it. I think United played something of a very shrewd game in terms of what was leaked to the press. And the the suggestion was that United were happy to sort of go under the radar with their Lukaku interest while stories were coming out from Marker and AS about how close they were getting to a deal for Morata. You know, the reports about the player himself thinking he was essentially going to be joining up with the club in LA this past weekend were... Uh, I, I got a ton of twinge of disappointment for him, partly because it sounded like he was so keen on it, but I'm pretty sure he'll end up being all right because it seems pretty clear from Real Madrid's bargaining or sorry, uh, negotiating stance that he didn't want to get rid of him anyway, such was the price tag. And I guess to a certain extent, as we've seen with a couple of other instances this season, United seem to be working on deals for similar positions for players concurrently 
So they will essentially pull the trigger on the best one, which seemed to happen with Lindelof and Keane in the sense that United were talking to both players and then deals were essentially there to be sealed. And then from what I can tell, Mourinho was essentially allowed to choose which one. So in this instance, it sounded like United, if they wanted to, they could have bought Morata, but the negotiation, they weren't necessarily sure about it. And then when Lukaku came up, who is, you know, as as seems to have been mentioned, Mourinho's first choice, and that makes complete sense, that's what we went for. You know, I, I thought... It was interesting to see it all happen so quickly. And I agree with you. It was really disconcerting to hear United sort of brief ahead of time and then suddenly Everton come out the next hour saying, no, we haven't accepted the bid yet. But United were briefing very, very hard that they got a deal sorted out. So that that gave me, you know, just about enough cause for confidence that a deal had gone through. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're talking about in terms of the plays or the player himself. You know, I, I think that, you mentioned that we do sometimes need a flat track bully in these sort of situations. We do need a, a goal scorer who will get us goals against the so-called lesser clubs. That was something that we struggled with intensely last season. And someone who can offer a, more routes to goal, a bit more variation and make us a little bit more multifaceted would be absolutely excellent. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's great that he's already seemingly from all the photos that you've seen from training earlier this week he's seemingly enjoying himself which is great you know he knows the league he knows the area betting in period you wouldn't necessarily say is going to be that big so it's really nice that we've got basically a player that mitigates as many risks you could possibly think up for replacing Zlatan right speaking of Zlatan do you want to maybe grab the uh, suggestion that he might be returning to the club in a uh, short-term contract later on in the summer yeah, I, I don't know how much that, that may have been thrown into disarray by suggestions today that he's negotiating with LA Galaxy. Oh, I see. Now, what, one of the people who said that was Richard Keyes, who has very little credibility on this world in any respect. But there have been other sort of kind of other whispers. And I think it would be a surprise for me if he did, because if he, if he did come to United again, quite clearly, because we've got Lukaku, and I'm not convinced that Zlatan would accept rejoining to have a kind of secondary role I think it suits him a lot more to be able to go to America to, to LA Galaxy and be, the, be the, the main man for a couple of years or however long before he retires he's a lion yeah I mean and also recovering from a very very serious injury and the best way for him to get back into playing his best football is to be playing is to eventually be playing every week and that that just isn't going to happen at United next season you know, Mourinho will already be juggling the need to obviously start Lukaku, but also give uh, plenty of game time to Marcus Rashford and potentially Anthony Martial as a, as a striker as well. So we've got some good options there already. And I, from the club's perspective, I'm not sure if that would make practical or economic sense, given the sort of wages that he'd, he'd be asking for. I think it's far more likely that he'll he'll go to America and forget when the American season starts, but it gives him a few more months. January, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it basically means that he can be there at the start of the, the MLS season and play a full season rather than trying to get up to speed halfway through a Premier League campaign, which is really, really hard when you're not first choice. So that doesn't that, that, that doesn't make any sense to me, and I'd expect him to go to America. No, I mean, I think that makes more sense. I think if the opportunity came up and Mourinho, because Mourinho is probably already thinking about the possibility of bringing it back in, if possible, because he's got such respect for his abilities and you know, his capabilities. So that would not surprise me whatsoever if Mourinho was minded to offer him a short-term deal. But again, as you mentioned there, the Zatan wants to be first choice. 
and Mourinho did such a poor job of rotating him to the point where he only ever got substituted, if I recall, in the game against Anderlecht when he got very badly injured. Um, so in that sense, it, it, it wouldn't be a transfer that wouldn't have a huge element of risk. So if it happened, yeah, if he accepted a reduced role, as we spoke about in the end of season review pod, that'd be great. But I don't necessarily think that'd happen. And I think, yeah, as you said there, perhaps makes more sense that he goes off to the States. Right. Uh, who have you got for me then? Eric Dyer. What's going on there? Eric Dyer. Okay. Um, What's with that? Suggestion today that United... Um, if reports coming out today are true that Mourinho simply wants to target a defensive midfielder or a holding midfielder that has Premier League experience, which obviously means that options are somewhat limited, uh, to Nemanja Matic, who plays for a club that might be a little bit ticked off with us for one particular reason in the last week or so, um, then options are not necessarily plentiful uh in terms of eric dyer united have had so much bad experience when it comes to trying to negotiate with daniel levy and spurs that i really hope that they know what they're getting themselves into you know we haven't transferred a player from spurs since dimitar berbatov on deadline day in 2008 and that was a particularly difficult transfer to happen sorry that was a particularly difficult transfer to make happen so i think people talking about Dyer's value in you know 50 million pounds has been quoted and for a side note if United have genuinely bid 25 million I'm not necessarily sure why if it's there if, it, if there's no smoke screens here and United are thinking they actually really want this player to bid half of what is supposedly his valuation I don't see what purpose that serves it just seems like it might exacerbate the situation and make negotiations more difficult unless it's some sort of power play and United are suddenly buoyed by you know gazumping uh, Chelsea for Lukaku in terms of his value to United, you look at that 50 million, and obviously we've got the money, so it's not too much of a problem there. Look at it not so much in what player he is, and think about more what he could do for the players around him. In particular, this season, it's going to be so important for us to be able to unleash Paul Pogba and let him do his thing, and know that he doesn't have to worry too much about, you know, sitting deep, not really getting involved in too much on the attacking side of things and that also potentially would unleash Herrera you know Dyer and Herrera would be beautiful considering what happened in that England Spain friendly several months ago but yeah I mean it really would increase our options in midfield which is so big for us you know we'll talk about midfield we've had a couple of questions on that in a little while but I think in terms of what he could offer it could be quite vital whether that's him or Matic in terms of whatever we're quoted for them essentially we need someone who isn't Carrick or Fellaini to sit in a holding role in defensive midfielder, help mop up play, help get us started on attacks again, and allow Pogba and Herrera to play further upfield. And I think that's vital for this season because that's something that we really struggled with last year. Yeah, I'm a bit more uh, baffled by it than you are, I think. I mean, he's a good age. We've been buying players in their sort of 22, 23, 24, which is really sound long-term sense and for that perspective I can understand why we'd want want him and he's versatile so in theory he can cover defensive midfield right back and centre back but then you look at the perspective that we need or we're looking for a we're looking for a holding midfielder we're not looking for an odd job man really we need a holding midfielder a specialist holding midfielder and I just don't think he's exceptionally good at that or or anything really. I think you know. Ultimately, he's he's ultimately he's. <laughs> he might be really good at the piano, Rich. Come on. Well, that's that's true. I, I maybe sold him short, but 
ultimately he's he's Spurs' second best holding midfielder. He's their back. He's their reserve holding midfielder, which doesn't immediately mean that we shouldn't we shouldn't buy him. But he's been kept out of the team by Victor Wanyama, who I don't particularly think is United class or top top level class either. And he's kind of been squeezed in as a as a third centre back towards the end of the season. You know, if we're genuinely talking about fifty million quid, plus the 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 fact that we we're going to have to negotiate with Daniel Levy, who is just a, a hideous man to deal with, he, ultimately he's going to take that down to the last week of the transfer window. There's no incentive for him to sell early. Oh, yes. He's going to take it down to the last minutes, like he always does, and United will either have to pay an absolute fortune or walk away and end up, you know, potentially end up with nothing. And there are just so many aspects of it that don't make any sense to me at all. For, for that amount of money, we, there, there are holding midfielders out there who are better footballers. If Even though I wasn't completely sold on Matic, if Chelsea would would still sell us Matic, I'd have Matic there before Traore Dyer in the sort of two or three years. You know, ultimately, I'm sure there'll be people listen to this will be screaming you could trust Mourinho and and we do because he signed very well last summer and we trust him to make the signings that he thinks are best this summer and obviously he'll be judged by how they do um I just don't quite understand the logic on on this one but whether you know again it could be a complete smoke screen and in two days time it's great that we're signing Marco Verratti or Julian Weigel or whoever and we'll all just laugh and go oh, that that dire stuff is really funny wasn't it so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but perhaps it's not real anyway. So we'll have to wait and see. Very true. Right, let's get a couple more, and then we've got some Twitter questions. What have you got, Rich? What about what about the young Belgian lad who could do anything who's left the Real Sociedad today? Um, if there weren't enough cautionary tales of young players coming to United having a promising start and then tailing off dramatically, then I don't know what we've got in abundance at this stage. You know, Adnan was the bright, part of a very 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 discouraging season under David Moyes he provided us with some wonderful moments and things have just seemingly gone downhill from there you know and it's it's no surprise that he's left you know he he had a sort of concurrent narrative with Andreas Pereira to a certain extent obviously Adnan had more experience of playing with the first team than Pereira did coming into the start of last season but they both went out on loan. They both went out to clubs that ended up relegated from their domestic leagues, obviously Sunderland and the Premier League and Granada in La Liga. And the narrative around Pereira is that he's a player that stood out in that team. He went to a different country. He got on board with the team and the game and tried to do something special. You know, reports, you know, David Carshade was frequently saying how good Pereira was and sticking out in this team that was really struggling. And you can't say anywhere near that with Yanazai. You know, he struggled in a team that obviously is managed by David Moyes. So there's a limit to how functional it can actually be. But he just didn't distinguish himself whatsoever. I think it's the right time for him to leave the club. I think it is a shame that we didn't get more out of him because he's clearly a very talented youngster there. But as we've seen so many times, United are not going to sit around and wait for you to fulfil your talent and realise your potential forever. And I think that's exactly what's happened here. Yeah, there's the really interesting article by James Sucker today in Telegraph, and he said that he'd spoken to, I think it was Brian Laudrup, after Yanazai's emergence and asked him what he thought. And Laudrup had been, well, you know, he's clearly got talent, but I'll come back to me in three years because so much can go wrong from there. And you know, as far as we're aware, you know, the moment he signed that new deal, he just really lost lost his way, he lost his hunger, he's made poor choices. I think the Dortmund loan deal was just 
absolute you know, suicide for that season. He was going to a side with incredible attacking talent, thinking that he was going to he was good enough to walk into that team. Tuchel said that he didn't have the attitude. He had the wrong attitude. He wasn't committed, and he wasn't he wasn't hungry enough. And that's really the message that's come really out of out of back channels from Van Hal as well. And as he say, he's been to Sunderland and had a completely different experience to Pereira. Pereira's stood out, and Yana's eyes kind of just faded into the into the background at Sunderland. And he needs a new start. And I think we've done okay to get nearly ten million quid for him. He's gone to Saucy Dad, who are a good club, and he'll you know really suit his style. And it's now up to him whether he whether he really pushes on or just continues to drift. Because I imagine if if this move doesn't work out then the only way is very rapidly down it's just it's just such a shame because he was such a talent at 18 that the age group coaches had such a lot of hope for him it it, it it is just a shame to see i mean he's obviously he's not gone off the rails in a in a ravel morrison styling but he, he's clearly just lost that hunger started earning 35 grand a week and was kind of told that he was the you know the mutt's nuts and he and he believed that. Oh, Given the number eleven jersey and things sort of spiraled on from there, really. Didn't exactly, they? and you know, and I think he just he just believed it. And there was the battle between Belgian FA and Kosovo, I think, as to who he'd play for. And he kind of eventually messed them all about, and eventually chose Belgium, and then went for a, to one Belgian squad, and obviously didn't impress, and never went back, never never called back again. It's just a shame. He's just he's lost his way, and this this is a really good chance for him. He's, he's a really good club, a place in a league that suits his style and if he succeeds from here then that's great if he doesn't then really doesn't deserve to yeah i mean i guess there might be a buyback clause in there as well as there is with memphis so we'll see how that one pans out but yeah wish him all the best but yeah speaking going back to Pereira, actually there rich um have you ever heard of the phrase like a new signing mm, yeah it's difficult to know what to what to expect from Pereira. i mean we, we've, we've seen him play for the for the under 23s before and the Coming through the under eighteen, he's always had a lot of talent. But United have had, you know, quite a few players at that level have had a lot of talent. But to his credit, he was sent off to really to a given a hospital pass really to to go and play for Granada, who were an absolute shambles for most of last season. And at his age, to have gone and relatively stood out in that team, you know, he should should get a lot of credit for that. The question just is whether Mourinho will trust him enough to to include him because I look at someone like Timothy Fossumenta last year who Mourinho kept at the club and who showed you know, a reasonable amount of promise under Van Hal and then just didn't play played him a couple of times and you know, particularly when it didn't matter and I wouldn't want to see Pereira suffer that same fate of staying at the club and never playing but we don't have an enormously deep pool of talent in midfield and if we're going to be playing a three-man midfield next season to, to allow Pogba to play further forward, then if we're going to rotate, then there's going to be, surely going to be games potentially for him, and obviously for, for Michael Carrick as well. And I presume Fellaini will still be still be about. Oh, yeah, but he's not going anywhere. No, he's not. The opportunity's there for him. You know, he's gone on the tour, and I would hope, fingers crossed, if he really impresses, then then Mourinho will, will think, well, you know what, let's... Let's give him a shot. I think the talent's there. He's certainly got the talent to do very well. Whether he's got the talent to be an absolute top-class player, we don't know yet. But there's hope for it. Yeah, we'll have to just have to wait and see when it comes to Pereira, won't we, Rich? I think the hope is that Mourinho will utilise him in some fashion, but there's no guarantee of that yet. Hopefully the amount of games that United will have to play again this year, if they get through to 
as I said, Champions League knockout stages might provoke him to use them in a little bit, which would be great, but we'll see. Uh, one more before we go on to Twitter questions. Our new captain, Rich, Michael Carrick. That seems like the potentially wisest choice given his incredible experience, given that he's been at the club now for 11 years since we bought him from Spurs, given the fact that clearly the most senior player knows the club inside out. I guess it's kind of a pragmatic decision from Mina or a wise one because we all know that Carrick isn't going to play that much this season given his age. You know, he's what, 36 years old now, is it? 35? Either way, very much in his mid-30s. So, you know, the suggestion was... I don't even know if I've actually heard heard this or seen it written down in any article, but the suggestion was that Herrera said that he's not necessarily ready for it, which I find quite surprising to a certain extent because I you know the suggestion to me at least anyway would be that you sort of take that honor in his stride but if he's not ready for it on a full-time basis he's not ready for it I saw a lot written about Pogba getting the armband as well and I thought I wouldn't give him that pressure just yet you know let him have the season to develop and show that he is this world-class talent that we've seen that we saw so many times last season and prove it on a consistent basis and then I reckon you've definitely got a player that can lead United week in and week out. But, you know, it will be the likes of, you know, Herrera, maybe De Gea, you know, Smalling if he's still at the club and there's question marks over that. Yeah, Players who've had the armband several times already that will essentially be the ones that we look to more than Carrick in terms of what goes on on the pitch uh, in the next year. Do you reckon that's fair? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I, he's more of a, you know, they, they usually distinguish between kind of club captain don't they and then essentially not the pitch captain I think Carrick in, in, in all intents and purposes is a, will be the club captain he'll be the guy he'll be the, the captain on the training pitch the captain in the dressing room even if he's not playing just the guy that that really leads by example in terms of the way he trains in terms of the way he plays approaches games when he plays and just for his seniority really it's, it's almost a reward isn't it really for, for his longevity and and what he's done for United in his career. I think, as you say, <clears throat> in reality, most games, I'd imagine someone else on the pitch will be captain. I think De Gea would be a possibility, or Herrera. I, I feel slightly different about Pogba than you, because I think he would thrive at the captaincy. He seems like the kind of guy who would really love that honour, and he, he clearly doesn't shirk responsibility. You know, even when he was playing poorly at times last season, he always wanted the ball, he was always trying things. He never stopped and I think that would give him the opportunity to really grow and to become the dominant player in the team that he can be, and we hope he will be next season. I'm not sure that captaincy really matters in a, in any significant sense on the pitch anymore. Well, we gave it to Ashley Young at one point yeah. last season. I love Ash, but, you know, come on. Yeah, I mean, the team has needed more leaders. We haven't had enough leaders in the last few seasons. I think Mourinho is slowly mm. trying to rectify that, and I think Pogba particularly yeah. goes a long way towards that. So it, it's important the players we've got on the pitch, not really who's wearing wearing an armband. Yeah. Right, Rich, are you excited to kick off the very first Twitter questions section of this season? I can hardly control my my excitement. Alright, mate, I didn't need that. Right. <laughs> At Vikash Patil asks, is midfield United's biggest problem? There are no obvious like for light replacements for Pogba and Carrick. Yes. And I'd argue that our biggest problem was probably up front more than midfield. Yeah, but, but obviously we've, we've, we've filled a hole with, with Lukaku and we certainly need a wide man. But I think midfield is a big, big problem for us. We need that holding player. And if he doesn't fancy Pereira, then we are, you know, the only other alternatives are 
36-year-old Karen in Fellaini. So, Yay! I think if you look at this in terms of, I think if, if, we, if we're working the basics, we maybe sign four players a year, then I think this is going to be a three-year three project ultimately to get a squad that's capable of challenging at the very highest level because we're still short. We are short in midfield. Um, I think we still need a left back and, and we need a winger. We can add two to that, but I think we'll still be two, two or three players short of where we desperately need to be in terms of getting to the semi-final of Champions Leagues and uh, really sort of challenge the biggest clubs in, in Europe. Sure. Uh, Austin Reds keeps uh, keeps us on the midfield trail there and asks, why are Conte and apparently Mourinho interested in Bakayoko? What is it about him? And isn't Julian Weigel the ideal Carrick replacement? I know you're a fan of him. I agree. Julian Weigel is the, is the ideal Carrick replacement. He's perhaps not the archetypal Mourinho player, but he's certainly a far better footballer than Eric Dyer is or any of the, the current options. Uh, why are we interested in Bakayoko? I mean, again, that yeah, the suggestions seem to be that, given the uh, the sources, potentially that Chelsea were essentially briefing that United might have come in for him, and the narrative suddenly changing into Chelsea swooping Bakayoko away. It's more sort of PR management from Chelsea to kind of mitigate the disaster, because you can imagine that Conte is going to be, to put it politely, pissed yeah. at the club for letting Lukaku slip through their fingers to a certain extent because the whole narrative around Lukaku up until last Thursday morning was that he was nailed on to join Chelsea and that is not what happened and Costa is essentially halfway out the door and the Premier League champions are without a striker yeah. well, a proper striker anyway it's hilarious it is hilarious uh, Ryan Baldy asks expectations for Pereira this coming season he meant Andreas by the way but Joel too I mean, yeah. for Andreas, I think we're probably in agreement that just starting would be a good thing or coming on as a sub. Probably the same for Joel, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think this pre-season will be important for both of them. Uh, you know, Mourinho clearly rates Joel Pereira. But the question is, if that's the case, how many games is he going to get when he's third choice keeper at United next season? You know, if he, it's for him to go out and really impress him in pre-season if he gets a chance. And the same for Andreas, if he, he needs to show that he can offer something to Mourinho now. And if he does that, I'm sure he'll get a role in the team. If he doesn't, I suspect he'll probably go on loan again. Uh, to three, did a D. I know it's Teddy. I just like saying it like that because it's beautifully typed. At the end of the season, which striker did you guys want to replace Slatan? And how does Lukaku compare to Morata in our opinions? Uh, in terms of who I wanted, I would have been over the moon with uh, not necessarily traditional strikers, but either Bale or Griezmann. I think both would have made for a very, very exciting forward line for United. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to know what the intentions were with Griezmann. With, you know, he's not a, a, a sort of an obvious Mourinho striker. Um, and I don't know whether he thought that he could get by with Rashford and Martial if he got someone of the quality of Griezmann to play behind them or, or just to the left. If we were talking a proper light flight replacement, then I always wanted Lukaku, but just assumed that we couldn't have it. And there really aren't a lot, a lot of options about in that regard, are there? You know, all the clubs that need a striker seem to be chasing the same guys. You know, Chelsea suddenly moved on to, in theory, moved on to Morata or, or Belotti. I think in Lukaku, we've got the one that I would have chosen out of the three. But I think Morata will do well if he goes to Chelsea. Mm, and that seems to make a lot of sense in terms of plugging a gap that Chelsea now very definitely have, considering that Conte decided it was a good idea to text Costa in the start of the holidays and say, yeah, I don't want you anymore. Yeah. That worked well. Uh, at Johnny White 93 asks, uh, it's been reported that if De Gea leaves United, they will try and sign Joe Hart to replace him. <laughs> How scary a prospect is that? That is 
David Moyes being appointed to replace Sir Alex Ferguson levels of ridiculously bad and terrible, in my personal opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm not even giving it much thought because I think it's an extremely dubious proposition. Even, even though, yeah, e- I agree. E- even though Mourinho's Scottish mouth actually reported that, that it, it would be the case, I, I cannot see that. He's had a really average season at, at uh, Torino, and. He is now. I think just now he is a really average goalkeeper, and I, I don't think it's any surprise at all that that City still have him and nobody's bought him. And I know they're asking a lot of money, but his mm. wages as well. It's just not worth it. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up at someone like West Ham or West Brom or some someone knocking around the middle of the table. Yeah, it's not really sticking it to City if we buy a player of theirs that they want to sell. Uh, at Charlonado asks, uh, would love to hear our thoughts on how we'll do in the Champions League this year and what would be acceptable. Last 16, quarter final. Um, I mean, I guess the fact that we're in pot two really helps. I think a good Champions League for us would be to get through the, the group stages and then really see how it goes. You know, ultimately, if we if we draw a Bayern or a Real or a Barca, then I, I, I don't think we're ready to put them out. But I, I think we could get to the quarters and push the semis if we get the right players in and get a lucky draw. I think that ultimately next season the priority has to be the Premier League and anything that happens in the Champions League is a bonus for us. Mm. I mean, in pot one is what it's Real, Bayern, Chelsea, Juve, Benfica, Monaco, Spartak, Moscow, Shakhtar. It's half sort of filled with teams that you wouldn't want to come up against and half that you would, in a, Mar- a well-oiled Mourinho side, expect us to get through. You know, yeah. the, you know, Getting out of the group stages is again the priority because we haven't qualified from that since Moyes was in charge and we had such an easy group that year and that that's the priority right now we're still a good couple of years from being able to realistically challenge for the Champions League but as far as we could get would be great I think you talk about acceptable I mean yeah quarterfinals would be great but I think we'll just have to see how we manage the group stages I think anything more than that and I think given what how we've dealt with European competition over the last few years You've just got to basically wait and see. Which I know is a very, very pragmatic way of looking at it. But at the same time, did you see us under Van Gaal in the Champions League? Yeah. Anyway, Jamie O'Donoghue asks, what are your out-of-the-box picks for defensive midfielder and or right-side midfielder? He reckons Danilo Pereira and Christian Pulisic. I would absolutely adore to see a Christian Pulisic, but it seems like um, Mourinho is fixated on Perisic and, and the left wing. Um, Pulisic is wonderful, but I think if we were going to go for a... a a, w- a proper winger, why not just throw everything we own, uh, let's sell everything and throw it all at Usman Dembele and, and just sit sit back and watch with wonder because because he's just an absolute little genius on their right-hand side. But Mourinho, he may not be a Mourinho sort of player, he doesn't really like those kind of not physically imposing winger types, does he? So, Dele Prayer is a good player. I I think we've, we've mentioned the, the holding midfield players, haven't we really? Someone like Weigl. Maybe a sort of left field would be someone like Jorginho at Napoli. You know, he's, he's more of a passer, but he could certainly play play in that deeper role. I think play very well as well. But I imagine he'd be extremely difficult to, to extricate from from Napoli. I I, I think in, in in all of these these rumours, I'm just kind of hoping that we've we've given the press the wrong steer and we're going to come out with some, as we did with Lukaku, some left field signing that, that that's going to amaze us all that'd be great uh at will wait asks uh being clinical in front of goal was an issue last season so how do united improve chance conversion this time around i mean i think not having zlatan on the side might actually help to a certain extent i feel so terrible saying that 28 goals scored and i'm saying not having zlatan on the club will help our chance conversion 
Am I wrong? Well, I think part of the problem last season was it became psychological, didn't it? Um, we missed we missed some chances in the first few games when it started to go wrong, and it just became a psychological block for us, particularly at home. I suspect if we if touch wood we start the season well against West Ham and put a few goals in the back of the net, then it won't be such a psychological issue for us. And we, we, we know we've got players in that team who can score goals. Mkhitaryan scored plenty of goals in Germany. Massa always scores. We know Martial can score. Lukaku can certainly score. Pogba can score more than he than he did last season. You know, he must have hit the post or the bar seven or eight times in the season. You know, there are goals there. It is just a case of, I think, Giving someone a good shoeing in early in early season, sticking three or four or five past someone would be really good. And, and from there, I think our confidence in front of goal would soar. Yeah, I guess one thing, because I was thinking about this question earlier on when I saw that Will had sent it over to us. I think in one aspect that I think can definitely improve is Mourinho's handling, perhaps, of those players. And you look at the fact that he openly calls out players when he feels like he's not getting what he wants and when they miss chances. And... I know that we're asking a lot because Mourinho isn't going to change for anyone and he has, I guess, conceded on some things during his time at United, but that very public dressing down of his uh, charges has not gone at all. So I guess that's one aspect that could certainly help to a certain extent because the more confidence he gives his players, then arguably the better they're going to perform. You know, that that, that seems like a, a pretty straightforward thing to to suggest that might be a real positive. Beyond that, I don't know. You know, I think the fact that we created so many chances last season and kept missing them. It, no one's figured out the enigma of why that just kept on going wrong. And that's not just down to Mourinho. It's a combination of so many different factors coming into play at the same time that just meant that we didn't score anywhere near the amount of goals that we should. But I'm confident enough that things will, whilst not necessarily being absolutely 100% improved in that area, I, I'm pretty confident in the sense that what we're building now should stand us better in that stead. We shouldn't ignore the fact that whilst there was there were a number of games when we created an absolutely enormous number of chances, there were far too many games when we really didn't. You know, particularly at home, we had the, the West Brom and Everton games back to back, and there were plenty, plenty more where we really struggled to create high class chances. And I think if we got Perisic or if we got a winger with sort of equivalent talents, and we're actually getting better delivery into the box, um, then I think we've got a, a, lot, a lot better chance of creating more and scoring more. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, talking about the mood as well, going back to that, um, in the MEN today, there were reports saying that the mood in the team is as the best it's been since Ferguson retired, which is obviously great. So let's hope that helps improve that things in that aspect. Uh, and last question tonight is from Don McDowell. Is it inevitable that the early season optimism we all probably feel will be gone in weeks as Jose's brand of football sends us to sleep? Now that, that's a piece de resistance of negativity from Dom. That's that that's pushing you, Rich, which is absolutely marvellous. <laughs> I think Dom, cheer up! We haven't even kicked a goddamn ball yet. <laughs> I think people are a bit more pragmatic this summer, aren't they? I mean, certainly we all got caught up in the sort of euphoria of those first three games last season and thinking we're going to challenge for the title, and then you know soon became clear that it wasn't really going to happen. I think people are a lot more pragmatic. It really depends on what happens the rest of the summer who everyone gets in and then we need to reassess. I still I think it would be a very big achievement for United to win the title next season, even if we sign the four that that have been talked about. By the same token I think Mourinho knows that he has to deliver a title challenge next season. And I think it's not unreasonable of us to expect that of him. No, absolutely not. The longest title challenge I think we've had realistically 
was Van Gaal's second season where it all sort of pitted away in December and you know we were there we were second behind Leicester and then we lost to Bournemouth and things just fell apart from there on and yeah I agree you know it, it's been four years now four full seasons that United haven't put up a credible title challenge this is now the year Mourinho should be getting in most of the players that he wants obviously it's not going to be perfect for him but it should be we shouldn't this season expect a title charge and it's got to last until as close to the end of the season as possible. I'm not saying that we as fans are owed that because there's no sense on that one, but everything is now set up for Mourinho to succeed. You know, if you talk about the issues that he dealt with last season, yes, some things worked against him and some things colluded to make it more difficult than it should have been. This year, I'm not necessarily saying there are no excuses, but everything is... Craft being crafted in such a way that it's the expectation now that we will challenge for the league title. So that's what we are hoping to see. Right, Rich, before we round off for the night, just one more thing. How do you feel at the moment about everything? You know, we haven't kicked a ball yet. We uh, play LA Galaxy this week and then we've got uh, Real Salt Lake, uh, Barcelona, uh, Real Madrid twice in the the rich man's uh, community shield in the UEFA Super Cup just before we kick off against West Ham. How do you view things at the current moment? I think, as I said before, of of the top six teams, I think our transfer window so far has been the most positive. I think City and Chelsea in particular have got an awful lot of issues to deal with before they, you know, before they're shipshape before the start of the season. Tottenham haven't signed a player yet, and they're obviously struggling with the fact they haven't got a lot of money for the new stadium. Arsenal are doing their normal thing, but they've still got the Sanchez thing hanging over them so there are an awful lot of questions about you know Liverpool haven't addressed their biggest two problems last season which what they have they they still don't have an extremely prolific striker they need a left back and a centre back really and they haven't haven't addressed those at all so United I think are a lot closer to where Mourinho wants them to be than the other sides um, that finished above us last season I think from that perspective we can be quite quite positive Mourinho's also this summer got the pre-season that he wants, you know, is his. It's been his choice with, with training at UCLA and playing in America because that's what he wanted us to do. We've got some good opposition, and he's got the time to work with the players in, in good conditions, as opposed to the mess that was the China tour last year. So he can't have any excuses. We, I think, everything is set for us to start the season well if if we're going to. So at the moment, I think we have we have to be positive, and if if we get the two players or three players, it's been suggested that maybe he wants another three that Mourinho wants, then he should be ready to, to challenge. So I think we can be as at least as positive as fans of any of the other top six at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Mourinho's second season is famously uh, better than the first. Let, let's hope we get that Mourinho and not last season at Chelsea Mourinho and let's see how things pan out from there. But we'll leave it there for tonight, Rich. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much for rejoining me this season. Uh, wonderful evening's chat, as always. Absolutely, no worries at all. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And don't forget, if you want to connect with us in any way, that you can get us on Twitter. You can get the pod at Red Voices MUFC. You can get Rich at RichardCan76, me at Atchew and Lennart, and our blog at www.redvoices.net for frequent ramblings. And also, if you feel so inclined, there is a donate page on that button where you can chuck a couple of quid or any other currency our way, essentially via PayPal, uh, just to help with us running costs. That's always very much appreciated, but obviously no obligation whatsoever. I'll be back with you in the next couple of weeks as the United's preseason starts to get into gear. Have yourselves a wonderful week. We'll speak to you soon. Good night. (laughs) 